Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is Eric Hammerling, who's the Executive Director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Eric, welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to see you again. Yes, Actually, you well. in person. I know. It's so nice it to is. be like in the same room, not just on a Zoom call. I know. Usually we're on a screen together doing mm -hmm. this, but it's, this is actually the first time you and I have seen each other in yeah. a couple months. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Good. Well, gosh, I mean, there are so many things going on in the world. Where, I know. where to even begin? Yeah, I know. Um, but I, I've got to say, it's it's mm. been a really interesting year with, you know, obviously all the COVID stuff, which has yeah, affected yeah, yeah. everything. Absolutely. Um, but interestingly enough, the outdoors never closed. Like no, of all of not. those indoor places that closed, uh, you know, throughout Connecticut and, right. and elsewhere. So it, in some ways we're busier than ever trying to keep, you know, trails and forests and parks open for mm -hmm. people to really enjoy. Um, and that's been an interesting challenge because uh, in fact, more people are getting outdoors than have ever gotten outdoors uh, before, at least in the last several years. Absolutely. So uh, it's, you know, it's putting some pressure on these places, but it's also telling us how important the outdoors are for people's mental health and physical mm -hmm. health. and. Absolutely. Gosh, when, when people are saying you need to stay indoors, um, there's nothing like hearing that to say, well, wait, maybe I should be going outdoors. Yeah, what, exactly. what am I missing exactly. um, what's, what's when, when I'm stuck indoors? So um, it's been a really interesting year. It has been, it has been. So how long have you been with CFPA? I've been with CFPA since uh, May of 2008, so about 12 years. Wow. Okay. And um, it's been just a fantastic experience. I've got to say, great organization, the oldest conservation organization in Connecticut. Okay. Um, 125 years old this year. Uh, not me, but no, the organization. No, no, the organization. Um, and it's really been uh, amazing to see the, the different things that we're called upon to um, get involved with from uh, issues of outdoor recreation to also climate change and many other things. So um, because we've been around for a long time, mm -hmm. a lot of people look to us and, and we feel a responsibility to really be engaged in conservation in Connecticut. Ah, now as far as, that's right, last time you and I were together talking about the organization because of the 125th anniversary, you promised me a party. I know, and guess what? <laughs> Parties are kind of hard to come by these days. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know that you personally, wherever you go, there is a party, so that's kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> so maybe this is our party it for could now. Be. It could be our but, party for um, now. But no, we really do want to uh, appropriately celebrate 125 right. years. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've looked at um, kind of some of the amazing things that have happened over the last 125 years with uh, our the environment in Connecticut. Okay. And CFPA has been involved with many of those different things. Certainly, uh, if you think about you know the Blue Blaze Hiking Trail system, yes. which you know w was set up in 1929, mm -hmm. but now has grown to uh, we say 825 uh, miles uh, and in 96 different towns all right. around the state. Absolutely. But we actually did the math recently. It's closer to 925 miles. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it's just amazing what a resource it is for, for everyone to use. It's free. Yeah. It's all around, uh, easy to get to um, for, for many, and we really think it's an incredible resource for the state. Um, we also were involved with, uh, you know, the first state forest uh, uh -huh. in uh, Portland, Connecticut in uh, 1903. Right. That's something that we said, you know what, um, 
we've seen that there are national uh, forests and national parks. We should have those kinds of things here in Connecticut. We should uh, have yeah. state parks and sure. state forests. Today we have 110 state parks and 32 state forests mm -hmm. on 250,000 acres all around the state. Right. And uh, again, CFPA was really involved with much of that. So I feel very fortunate to be involved with the organization and keep us looking forward to the many things that we still have yet to do. Well, what, what else do we have yet to do? Well, right now, one of the things, of course, everyone's thinking about COVID-19 at the moment, yeah. but for the last um, you know dozen years or so, people have been really thinking a lot about the climate and right. how the climate is changing. And certainly here yes. uh, along the shoreline, you know, thinking about the fact that they're saying, um, you know, this, the uh, sea level rise is gonna be about uh, 20 inches or so mm -hmm. uh, by 2050. Right. Well, that means a lot of places are gonna have to, you know, hike up their skirts and head up uh, uh, up to drier ground. Uh, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, um, that means we're gonna have to do a lot of things differently. We're also aware that you know we're going to have probably more intense storms and more uh, things like that that are going to be challenges but on the other side we think about our state's forests and right. how can the forests actually help us out of this climate problem right. that we're in exactly um, and amazingly enough forests are incredible they, they are both impacted by changing climate right. but also help the climate to not get as bad as it could get. Mm -hmm. So for, for example, um, the hotter it gets, um, it, there are certain species of trees that are gonna have a hard time. Right. Um, but on the other hand, the hot, hotter it gets, there are some species of trees that are gonna grow over a longer uh, period of time. They're gonna be able to soak up more carbon out of yes. the atmosphere right. and help to keep, and, and as we like to say, if there's carbon in trees, mm -hmm. that's carbon that's not in the atmosphere making us warmer. Exactly. So um, we wanna see um, forests be protected and grow in, in ways that are going to help Connecticut. And also um, we wanna see our forests be more resilient and help people to be more resilient too. Good example of that yeah. is in some of our cities. Okay. Uh, you may have heard about uh, something called the, the heat island effect, which basically means um, if you have uh, an area with a lot of concrete and not a lot of trees, yes. it's really hot. Yeah. Um, and not only is it hot for people, but also when it rains in that area, the water is hot, it runs off into streams mm -hmm. that are used to being cooler. Right. It affects a lot of different things. Yes. Plant a few trees, uh, just to have a few trees in an area can make a difference of five to seven degrees. It actually helps to purify the air. It's a way to connect to nature, provide some habitat. There are so many positives of having well-maintained, healthy trees in urban areas. That's one of the things we hope is going to come out of um, this report that we've been working on right. and some recommendations uh, to the Governor's Council on Climate Change. Uh, which right now is saying, how can we make the situation better looking forward? Right. Are you on that committee? 
I am the chair of the uh, forests subgroup of okay. the Governor's Council on Climate Change. Well, and let's talk about it. Yeah, so um, we actually just today, Pete, right before I came over to the studio, mm -hmm. I was working on this report because we want to get it out and get it through the process. The goal is by the end of uh, 2020 right. to have a set of recommendations for how uh, forests are going to be protected and what we can do as a state uh, to better respond to climate change. Right. Um, and so there are a lot of different things that we've been going through right now um, and our uh, recommendations will be become public in just a couple days. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I was working on today. My, my head is still spinning <laughs> with all these different things about forests, but we're, we actually have in Connecticut, and this is not always appreciated, um, almost 60% of Connecticut has trees, yes. uh, tree cover. Okay. Um, and about 100 years ago, a little more than 100 years ago, we only had about 30% of Connecticut with trees on it. So we've oh actually come a long way in terms of um, having uh, more trees and, and a greater appreciation for trees. Right. We also have a better understanding today of how important trees are in the climate change context. Yeah, Like yeah. I said, they soak up uh, carbon. They also uh, provide shade and all the different benefits uh, to people that trees provide. And it's up to us to help keep them healthy yeah. um, because uh, some trees, especially those along our streets mm -hmm. that you drive by, if you don't care for them, they don't always do very well. Exactly. And we have to, if they do, uh, you know, fail through uh, disease or uh, other things, we have to replant in right. those areas to make sure there will be trees for the future. Exactly. Um, exactly. They, uh, there's a, a saying, uh, that a, a wise person said one day, which is um, thinking about planting trees. Mm -hmm. um, what's the best time to plant trees? Well, probably 30 years ago. But what's the second best time to plant trees? Hmm. Right now, exactly. uh, whenever you have that opportunity. So I hope we'll be able to, to make a difference going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. So basically with the forests and the parks, how? How, how have they been doing since the COVID and what's going on? Yeah, well, it's a great question because, um, you know, again, you, you, you wonder whether um, everyone is staying indoors because yeah. of COVID, right? There's right. a lot of, you know, stay in place stay and, and we want people anywhere. to be uh, safe and wear masks and right. do social distancing and all those things. Yeah. But one of the things that um, fortunately has never closed in Connecticut is our forests and parks and trails. Right. Um, now, I say never closed. Sometimes they close when it gets really busy and the parking lot fills up and they close on that day. Um, but that doesn't yeah. mean they're closed uh, for the season. Right. That just means you should find some other place to go at that mm -hmm. time. Um, and I know that you've uh, gone to places that have been recently closed. Mm -hmm. um, there have been more uh, resources for people who go to the uh, to a park that's closed that they can now look into to try to find out what are some other things that I could do today. Right. Uh, for example, if, if uh, folks are into Twitter, yes. there's um, you know CT Trails Less Traveled is a way that you can find out more information about. Really? Uh, that's that's a hashtag where they have a lot of information about places that are not filled up, right. uh, and you can go. 
Um, the state also has a, a new website that uh, has information about swimming areas uh, uh -huh. that might be open in uh, municipalities and elsewhere when the state parks uh, and, uh, and or, or forests or beaches close. Right. So um, there are a lot of options and I would encourage people if they're thinking about going to a state park or forest mm -hmm. and want to make sure that it's not going to be closed is to keep a few things in mind. Number one, go early. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, you know, if you go on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon after one o'clock, right. you're probably not getting in. Yeah. Um, and they actually did an interesting study on how many people are going to parks and when, and uh, how many people are going to trails and when. Right. And they found that well over 50% of the visitation happens between one and four o'clock on the weekends. Right. So don't go between one and four o'clock wow. on the weekends, right? And wow. knowing that there are some places that are very popular, mm -hmm. uh, think about some other places that aren't quite as popular. Right. Um, we have 110 state parks but there are only about 21 of them, I believe, I think that's the latest figure, that close with some regularity because of being full up right. uh, parking-wise. What does that mean? That means there are 90 other parks uh, mm -hmm. uh, around that exactly. people can start to explore. So exactly. we would encourage that to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. And from, like, you said, like you said earlier, you actually had a meeting with the DEP commissioner today. Yeah, well, uh, Katie Dykes, the commissioner of DEEP, uh, is really a big fan of the outdoors. Um, Excellent. DEEP is an incredible agency because they're the Department of Energy and Environmental Damn. Protection, mm -hmm. so they also they have a lot of energy-related issues, and right. that's you know climate-related. They also have uh, outdoor recreation and parks and forests and right. uh, wildlife management areas that they're responsible for. And they also do a lot of regulation of environmental laws. So they're a critically important agency. Um, she has a very difficult job right. uh, yeah. because they try to weigh these different things, and of course, never have enough resources to be at uh, you know full uh, full strength. Right. So they have to try to cobble things together and figure out how to do things. Um, we're very fortunate that um, there is a program like the Passport to the Parks, mm -hmm. which helps uh, to raise some money for maintaining parks. Right. And we all pay uh, for that Correct. if we drive a, a vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, but that also makes it so that if we drive to a park that in the past used to charge admission, there's no fee at the gate for any Connecticut resident anymore. So. Um, these places are open, right. uh, but they need resources to be maintained. Absolutely. Wow. You guys are a very busy organization. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We think it's important. And, and obviously, you know, I, I love the outdoors personally and, and love to oh, enjoy absolutely. the outdoors with my family. But I also want everyone to have that um, uh, opportunity to have that experience. And so we need to keep fighting to keep these places open. Tell us, a, tell us a little bit about the committee that you're on. Well, the, the committee that, uh, that we're on with this uh, forest subgroup mm -hmm. uh, started meetings uh, and public meetings at the end of January okay. and kind of took those right through the end of June. Okay. And it was really to uh, raise awareness on a number of different topics related to the health of forests. Um, so we had over 21 different presenters. All of this information too is online, the minutes from the meetings, the uh, presentations that were given. Okay. 
Um, and it was really uh, incredible in terms of the expertise um, that people brought on various uh, forest-related issues and some of the recommendations that we now have uh, in the report that's going to be going out uh, to the full Governor's Council and uh, to other working groups within the Council. Um, as the chair, my, my role was to try to set up uh, the meetings and who was going to be uh, presenting and also uh, kind of mediate. Uh, uh -huh. and because every now and then, uh, on issues around forests, people look at things slightly different ways. I'll give you you an, don't say. I'll give you an example. Please do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some people think that the healthiest forest is one that is just left alone. You know, let it be. Uh, forests have been growing for millions of years. Um, just let, let it be, um, and that'll be a, a healthy forest. Others believe that uh, the healthiest forest is one that is managed in some way, shape, or form, and yes. is uh, managed to meet multiple uh, objectives. Mm -hmm. Well, um, we, we had uh, a group of people who may look at healthy forests in different ways that we wanted to make sure work together to come up with recommendations on how to keep forests healthy for everyone. Right. Um, and of course, what we um, were aware of is you know, knowing that there are many different ways to um, keep a forest healthy and to um, encourage forests to be better at taking up carbon, taking it out of the atmosphere. We um, had to kind of bridge some gaps and um, have people work together in ways that maybe they, they hadn't um, cool. in, at, at times in the past. But I think we all feel the urgency of climate change and the fact that we have to do some things uh, now, to, which really, I think, forced us to work together right. um, and come to some uh, positions that I, I think are really important for the future. Absolutely. So I'm excited about the work that we've been doing, yeah, and absolutely. again, we want to carry it forward. Absolutely. And last time you and I were together, we talked about the virtual trails days that you guys had coming up. How'd it go? Yeah, it went it went great. Good. And and you know the the good news, Pete, is that it's it's still happening. There you go. Uh, and in, <laughs> in a normal right. year, uh, Trails Day is that first weekend in June. And yes. in a in a no normal year, we'd have 250 events happening all around the state. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd have you know 6,000 plus people coming out to do various things on that one weekend. And the energy around that one weekend is really great. But this year, because of COVID, right. We couldn't, uh, in good faith, say that we wanted there to be um, hosted events with a lot of people coming together at the same time in the same place. No. Um, even if we told people to, um, you know, keep socially distant, mm -hmm. uh, six feet. It would with the six feet. It would have been tough to do with with large groups. So, oh, absolutely. So we we made it a virtual trails day, um, which which means that. We now have information on all the different places where people can go on our website, um, ctwoodlands.org. Mm -hmm. And we also have, um, this year for the first time, we made videos of a lot of the different uh, events. We asked the event leader to make a little video, short video, uh, under a minute, okay. talking about the cool things that you'll see when you go out to this place and the way to uh, explore it but it's to explore it on your own. It, it, we, we call it you know, a do-it-yourself mm -hmm. trails day because we're kind of laying out all the different things that folks can do, but we don't want them to go in a big group. Right. Take yourself, your family, uh, you know, close-knit uh, group, 
go out and explore. The advantage of doing it this way is that it's not all in one weekend. Right. People can go whenever they want. So we, we would definitely encourage people to see all the different places that, that they can go on the Trails Day information that's uh, on our website and use it as a way to explore. What other information can people find on the website? Oh, a lot of information about, uh, so we have uh, properties that, that we own. We're actually a statewide land trust. Really? So we have about 2,000 acres of properties that we either um, own and manage or uh, hold easements on to protect their, uh, their values forever. We have educational programs that we're doing throughout the year, and, and one of the things that, um, again, because we couldn't pull together groups to have events, right. uh, that was kind of exciting is we did an online tree school, which basically provided um, lessons and activities for people to do at, in, their tr in their backyard with oh, cool. a, or a tree nearby uh, to kind of be outdoors, learn about things, and um, and do something exciting and invigorating. We had great participation, you know, the kind of program that in a normal year we might have, um, I don't know, 30, 50, 100 um, participants. We had over a thousand families participating in tree school. Really? Um, and cool. we learned some really cool, you know, some of them made their own video. I mean, it was just a really fun event. So we're finding that um, even with the limitations of, of COVID, um, we're getting creative in mm -hmm. ways that we get out the word through our website, through social media. Um, and we're, we're trying to be, even though we're working from home primarily too, right. uh, we've been as active as ever. I was going to say, is the office open or probably probably not? We have an office manager who goes in every day to uh, take care of the mail and keep the you know the building in, in good shape. Gotcha. But other than uh, Terry, who is uh, a saint, mm -hmm. um, most of us are working remotely. So right. um, the the good news is there too. And I don't know. I feel like I always try to find the good news in things. Absolutely. Uh, but the good news there is about ten years ago. We made the decision as an organization, as a conservation group, that we wanted to reduce our carbon footprint, right. which meant we would not be driving to the office every day. Yeah. Because we did that 10 years ago, when COVID came along and we had to work remotely, we had all the systems in place to be able to do it. Exactly. So Nothing it's changed. been working really well. Um, and, you know, f so far, and I'll, I'll knock all the things that I can knock, exactly. um, you know, everyone has been uh, healthy. Good. Um, and we, we hope that continues. Good. And I, from what I understand on your website, there's also a picture of Pete Mazzetti. <laughs> I think. We do, we do on our website kind of feature special volunteers. And, uh, and there is this guy, Pete Mazzetti, who has been an amazing volunteer. Yeah, never heard of him. Um, <laughs> No idea. So we, you know, and I've got to say, Pete, not only do we appreciate yeah. um, you, but um, we really, you know, I, when we uh, have, we've gone through some strategic planning over, mm -hmm. the, over the last year and, as, and when we did our strategic plan, you know, you, like any organization, you do some soul searching. What's really important to you? For us, it was volunteers. We right. are a volunteer based organization because uh, yeah. if you think about who's doing the work on the trails, you know, we have two staff but we have hundreds of volunteers right. who are doing work out on the trails. 
Um, we have one staff person responsible for 2,000 acres of, of properties. Who she only, Lindsay Sir. Okay. She can only do what she needs to do with monitoring and taking care right. of places with lots of volunteers. So uh, without Pete Mazzetti and volunteers like him, this, exactly. this, this crazy, amazing person, <laughs> we, we just can't do the things that we need to do. Oh, we love, we love helping you guys out. And like, like I said, there's, I had things up my sleeve for this year, but unfortunately because of COVID, they got pushed off. But yep. hopefully next year. Yeah, hopefully, something to look forward to. Hopefully, hopefully next year. So what, what else is going on with CFPA so far? And well, you know, we're, we're trying to um, plan ahead because right. there are lots of things that right now are either on hold or mm -hmm. um, we've had to kind of push off into the future. So right. for example, uh, normally, during this time of, of year, we would do, be doing lots of work parties, working on trails, building right. bridges, uh, you know, taking care of the places where people love to, to walk. Because of COVID, we have not been doing group activities like no. that, but we certainly have a long list of things that need to happen to make sure those trails are open and safe uh, going forward. So mm -hmm. we've been doing a lot of planning to um, make sure that as soon as things do start opening up and we can start organizing again, we'll have our list together of what needs to happen on the trails. Right. Similar uh, fashion, we're also thinking ahead to when the General Assembly uh, starts meeting oh, again. Yeah, that's right. Minor <laughs> because, detail. right, uh, you know, March 12th or, or thereabouts, mm -hmm. they shut down yeah. for, uh, for the year it's an election year, so it's a very odd situation yeah. to not have uh, the General Assembly doing its thing. Okay. But um, once they do reopen, we want to make sure we're ready with our uh, annual conservation agenda and priorities to um, try to get some good things done. Do you think they're going back in the session? I, you know, I hear different things all the time, as, as I'm sure you do as well. Oh, yeah. The latest was that we've, we've heard that there may be some sort of special session in either July or maybe August, yeah. you know, uh, date changes, and that it might be focused primarily on budget-related items or maybe other things as well. So, you know, nothing definitive, but, uh, so that's why you have to be ready. Cool. Eric Hamerling from CFPA, thanks for some time, and we'll see you soon. I look forward to that. You got it. On behalf of Eric Hamerling, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks, good night, and we'll see you next time.